Good evening and welcome to the Aging Hipster Star Wars Rewatch. We are two-thirds of the way through the Skywalker saga. Tonight, we are revisiting Episode 6, Return of the Jedi. I am your host, Darth Bob Serrano, and tonight we have a very special show. Not only are we talking about Ewoks and barbecues and traps, we're going to be looking back at the last two trilogies. And for today, we have a Megapod. We're literally spanning across the entire North American continent, and we're doing this entertain you dear one or two listeners that I have out there. Thank you so much. So uh, I'm going to introduce each of our guests. And I do have a question for each of these guests. I totally stole this from Mike. I wrote a bunch of questions, and most of them were really smart, alecky ones making fun of George Lucas. Mike had some good ones, good questions that I stole. So as I introduce you guys, I would like you to answer this question. What is your favorite side character of the first six movies? So not like Chew, not Chewy. Anything like that? Someone like that little monkey thing that is with Jabba. Salacious so, B. Crumb. Yep, Salacious B. Crumb. You can choose him. <laughs> and so first, from from up north, from the forest moon of South Minneapolis, Toby Crines. Welcome. Hey, hey, Bob. Thank you. Should I answer the question now? Yes. What's I was going to, gonna, you know, it's probably just because it's top of mind, but I was going to say that little uh, that little thing <laughs> that was just <laughs> described. Um, and partly because I also watched The Mandalorian today. Oh, did you watch those? Oh, and they're shit. roasting one of those, I think. Yeah. They kind of <laughs> spit. So it was sad. <laughs> it was a little sad. And the other guy was like so, so was afraid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. And second, from the East, from Ontario, our first international guest, it's Pat Collins. Hello, Pat. Hello. Thank you so much for having me on, especially for today. Um, yeah, Return of the Jedi, I think, was my first favorite movie I ever remember growing up and whatnot. So when oh, nice. uh, when you asked me to be on this one in particular, I got all giddy and I was like, ah, I could gush about that. No problem. Oh, good. Favorite then, side yep. character. Um, you know what? The uh, And I think this is just because it's fresh. It's relevant. I just rewatched uh, Return of the Jedi today. Um I like Nia Numb, uh, Lando Carizian's sidekick, uh, or his oh. um, Alter Chewy, I guess you could say. <laughs> Randomly, I just remember thinking this guy looked hilarious as a kid and never really took him seriously, but he kind of does play kind of a integral little part. He's the one who kind of initially puts together that, you know, they're, they're kind of jamming us, right? Like, we're kind of in some... We're about to step in some deep shit here, Lando. And then he puts it together and tells everyone to break off the attack. So maybe it's just because it's overly relevant. And if someone else pops into my mind, but uh, I like Nia Numb. Oh, and and Nia, his laugh is the best as well. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> 100%. So I'll go with him. Great. Welcome aboard, Pat. And finally, our, our guest of the third most popular Aging Hipster episode, it's Mike D. Nice. Welcome aboard. Thank you very much, Bob. And Toby. Yeah. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, Return of the Jedi. Probably my favorite movie. We'll probably get into that. Uh, favorite side character. I tell you, there's a ton of them. But I'm going to keep it pretty easy. Most people will probably recognize this character. I got to say Admiral Akbar. Oh, yeah. Good yeah. Good I mean, It's a Trap is probably my like most memorable line from <laughs> all of the movies. But yeah, Akbar's he's a legend. Oh, yeah. And what's interesting, he's a calamari, right? Yeah. Montreal. And what we learned in The Mandalorian. Pat, did you see The Mandalorian? I did. First two episodes uh, already down. So, yeah, okay. I'm, right. I'm in. Uh, spoiler alert to anybody um, out there. <laughs> but 
uh, what I thought was funny was that calamari spend flan, so they spend uh, Mexican custard desserts <laughs> for their the very tasty currency. <laughs> well, something you want to work for, right? Like some kind of yeah. gelatinous, tasty substance. I get it. You know, I get it. I guess it's better than Jello. It's not like the Bill Cosby Jello. It'd be not so great. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's been a bit tarnished, I think. Yeah. And it's not just a philosophical currency. You know, like the U.S. dollar. It only has value because we think it has value. Yeah. This flan actually has value. Yeah, Caloric and the dollar it, it tastes terrible as well. So. Oh, <laughs> uh, all right, everybody. We've made it six movies down, three to go. We got a ton of stuff to cover this episode, but first, let's take care of some business. Please subscribe, uh, recommend to friends and strangers, rate and review the Adrian Hipster Network. We we can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and a bunch of other apps. If you're not found on the app you regularly use, please let us let me know, and we'll get it worked out. You can email us at aginghipsternetwork at gmail.com. Please email us your Star Wars questions. And you can join the Facebook group. It, just look up the Aging Hipster Network. I'm going to have a couple announcements for the new year. Toby and I need to figure out what we're going to watch in January. I think we know that some yeah. rom-coms are on the docket. We have some ideas. <laughs> yeah. But Mike we still have to Maybe. If there's one thing we love is uh, Meg Ryan. Of course. Uh, oh, absolutely. Hey, color me there. Count me in. Yeah. All right. Okay. And so without further ado, Toby, please take us back to a long, long time ago in the galaxy far, far away. So we're back on Tatooine where Luke Skywalker unleashes the most unnecessarily complex and awesome rescue operation in the history of the galaxy. Uh, this rescue operation includes Luke saf- sacrificing his droids, his sister, Chewie, and himself to one of the galaxy's most dangerous mobsters before breaking them all free at the last minute during one of the mobsters' sacrificial pleasure cruises. It was awesome. Uh, then Luke goes to Dagobah, where he somehow lands his aircraft without incident and strangely sees no snakes before watching Yoda pass into the Force. Uh, while he's there, he learns definitively that Vader is his father and Leia is his sister. Um, and then he flies back to meet with the rest. Now that the gang's all back together, they can focus on what they do best, saving the galaxy from the Empire, which is hell-bent on building another planet-blasting Death Star. If this plot sounds familiar, that's because it's the exact same plot as Episode Four, But it's distinct in a few ways. Uh, first, Ewoks save the day. Uh, and the Millennium Falcon, piloted by Lando Calrissian, does the dirty work. Luke, in an attempt to rescue his father from the dark side of the Force, is instead captured by his father and brought before the Sith Lord, a.k.a. the Emperor, a.k.a. Darth Sidious. Luke, after defeating his father in a lightsaber duel, refuses the advances of the Emperor, which makes the Sith Lord very, very angry. He begins killing Luke with Force Lightning before getting thrown into a pit by Darth Vader, who finally saw the light and decided to save Luke's life. Vader having saved Luke, or Luke having saved Vader, depending on your perspective, Vader dies. Uh, And then a celebration on Endor ensues. Thank you very much, Toby. Mike brought up a a good point before we kind of started recording about the ending of the movie. I was just wondering if maybe we can kind of go around and get people's opinions. So they redid it where you see all these fireworks. Did you like the fireworks thing, or did you like the hippie uh, drum circle? drums i mean drum circle this fireworks thing it's 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 a joke like 
<laughs> yeah, it's uh, well, especially if we're going even further back when they took out uh, Yub Nub. That was such an iconic oh. song associated with this ending. And yes, it was cheesy. It was like looking back on it, not likely not the most sophisticated, perhaps, uh, piece of music ever composed. But it was just so synonymous with the end, and it was just such a unique song that when they went and changed that for I can't remember if they changed it in the 97 or the 2004 remakes whichever one of those but um, uh, when they you know got rid of Yubnub I thought like I felt a little bit taken aback by that for this nice kind of well not even nice but that kind of soppy like (laughs) it it just kind of killed the and, killed the vibe a little bit and, just, and why it's i was thinking about it it's like if in a got like the you know they went back and like they're like in a got it needs another guitar solo <laughs> <laughs> really. and something did. else when i um when i did a little bit more digging looking up for some uh some extra little random facts and whatnot apparently um it was john williams's son who helped compose that song and he's also the lead singer of toto of wow. the what that uh yeah apparently that's yeah, i read that as well yeah john, john oh, so, there's crazy. talent in the family and whatnot i guess but uh yeah i mean like i would have much like preferred africa even toto? africa toto i would have had mm-hmm. africa toto in the back as opposed <laughs> to that new rendition that they had <laughs> instead of yubnub if they're really gonna damn it like that but uh yeah i thought i was a little bit blown away by that All right, let's get into some categories, overall stats, and other kind of stuff. Episode 6, Return of the Jedi, directed by Richard Mark Markland. I don't know what he did. Basically, I think he got hired. Oh, I do have some trivia about this that I thought was interesting. And But uh, let's get rid of the writing credits. It's written by Lawrence Castan and George Lucas, and George Lucas did, George Lucas did the story. So I read that... Lucas's first choice was Steven Spielberg to direct this, which would have been very interesting. But they were having some feuds with Directors Guild, which led to his being banned from directing the film. And so then Lucas approached David Lynch, which would have been very interesting. But of course, David Lynch was just like, what are you talking about? And rebuffed him, and he found found this guy named Richard. And I think he kind of micromanaged uh, everything. Anyways, I, I found some kind of overall statistics, which I thought were pretty interesting. Star Wars as a franchise is the second uh, most profitable uh, franchise of all time. The world, worldwide box office of $9.3 billion with, out of uh, 15 movies. And it trails the Marvel Cinematic Universe, universe which has made $22.5 billion, which is crazy. Wow, that's crazy. That's crazy. Uh, 29, 29 movies. Um. Episode six took uh, $32.5 million to make. They made $23 million on the opening weekend, $309 million in the domestic U.S., and $572 worldwide. For the entire franchise, uh, the product, production budgets of all of the movies equals $1.5 billion to make that $9.3 billion. Everyone seemed to like it just fine, and I think everyone here has a deep affinity for this movie. So let's get into our reactions. Let's start off with Mike. You were kind of talking about it as kind of your favorite favorite uh, movie, right? And has it changed at all from your rewatch? No, it hasn't changed. And yes, this, this is my favorite. All of my action figures were all from Return of the Jedi. So it it, it hits home. It hits that, you know, it, it's all the toys I played with when I was a kid. So 
mm-hmm. characters on on screen again. It was it was pretty amazing. I think when you're looking at like the total story, Empire's got to be <clears throat> probably the most complete story. But Return of the Jedi is just to me, it's the most fun out of all of them. Right? Like it's there's just so many amazing parts. It's you know it's pretty simple. It's 40 minutes of Jabba's palace and then a couple things to transition and then it's Endor and Death Star 2. Amazing, right? But I do think yep. it's as successful as it is because the first two the first two movies set it up so nicely. And so they could just easily tell this story that kind of just finishes the the whole thing up. But I gotta say, Jabba's Palace to me is the best. I love Jabba's Palace. It's basically 35 minutes of just awesomeness, man. It's got an eye on the wall, Biv Fortuna, Gamorrean Guard, Salacious B. Crumb, the Max Rebo Band. You got Torture Droids. You got a Rancor Pit. You got Slave Leia. You got Luke Skywalker rocking in in some black Jedi robes. Like, you got Jabba the Hutt. You got all this stuff. It's just everything just packed into this 35 minutes of just amazing storytelling. And you got Boba Fett like bouncing it. off a ship into the rain court. Yeah. <laughs> you got roundhouse kicks where or he the... misses the guy, but he flies off of it anyways. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's just, I mean, to me, it, you know, it, all the movies are great as you know, we've all talked about, but for me, this is the one that just kind of hits when I was a kid and I knew star Wars, like this was my movie. So that's where I'm at. How about you, Toby? Uh, it's great. I mean, the thing I love about it, I, I like, like, I mean, Jabba's lair is great. And, but the, I love like the conflict that Luke, uh, like, I think Mark Hamill does a great job of like showing that conflict in his heart. Like he's like, you know, he's trying to save his dad, but he keeps like getting like uh, rebuffed. And um, I just love that conflict. And then at the the climax, when uh, the emperor shows him like, Hey, all of your friends are going to die now. And like, you just see it in his face. and. Um, you know, I, I just, I just love it. Just to me, it seems like, uh, like the depth of character is there and, um, on Luke, especially. And how about you, Pat? Did you, did your opinion of the movie change at all when you rewatched it recently? Uh, no, no, it didn't. And, uh, you know, going back to what Mike said about when you picture star Wars as a kid, it was, you know, it was always that starting in the desert. It was Luke going back to Tatooine to where it, where we now know it all really began with the whole Skywalker saga as well. So you get that kind of completeness uh, rounding out the entire thing. You get, uh, yeah, like the friend heist at the beginning, you know, trying to jailbreak your friend out of this, you know, frozen hellscape he's potentially damned to. Um, so they're putting it all on the line. Like you say, they're sacrificing Chewie potentially. Never mind what kind of post-traumatic stress that Chewie probably endured going back into this dungy pit where he, where we found him in Solo, the Star Wars saga and whatnot. So likely that was probably a big emotional moment for him. But, uh, you know, you see that when he gets Han back, he gives this nice big hug, rubs his head and just like giving them this unbreakable Wookiee hug. But then after that, you of course you get the uh the speeder bike chase. That was always just I remember mm. tipping chairs over backwards <laughs> and riding on the back of the chair, pretending that I was zipping through the woods mm. and just dodging these big trees and uh jumping That's off great. onto the next one and whatnot. And I probably you know my brother and I probably bruised each other countless times just trying to practice, you know, you take that one, I'll take these two and then mm-hmm. jumping from speeder bike to speeder bike and whatnot. But uh, no, and then you, um, you know, I, I think it's that nice, you get that nice kind of complete ending, which as a kid, you really want and enjoy. 
Um, and I actually read some other places too that that was not the initial ending that uh, George Lucas was going for. He wanted, uh, I think there was a few different endings in mind. One of them was Luke walking off into the sunset, kind of like this brooding samurai figure now. Now that he's got these new skills, he's, I think they wanted to set up like he's off on his own journey now kind of thing. But then another uh, source had said that one potential ending was that Luke was going to take Vader's helmet off, put it on his own head and say something to the effect of now I'm Vader or I'm the Vader now. (laughs) And just picturing that it would have just completely like yub nub aside. I think that would have, I think tanked that whole, uh, that nice happy roundedness to what, uh, what the ultimate completion of this, this part of the saga is. So, um, with any movie or series, it's how you end it. So I think my opinion of The Force Awakens has always been, ask me in 2019 when I see the last one. When I, you know, if, if it makes sense at the beginning and it all rounds up together, then that's, it's it's one complete story to me as opposed to um, individual movies for the most part anyways. But uh, no, I I loved Return. It was great. That'd be really funny if he was wearing like Darth Vader's mask and like he went down to Endor and he like came off and they he they shot him. He's like, no, he's like, no, like this is dad's like fuck wild. Would that be like like, crying? uh, Luke, buddy, uh, what? You all right, bud? Like, what? uh, What's going on there? (laughs) You got a new hat, my brother? Oh well, we all loved Empire. Oh no, Return. Sorry about that. We all loved Return of the Jedi, but during this. Questions have come up. Well, what about and you, so, bro? Oh, it was fine. Whatever. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think this is probably one of the first movies I ever really saw. I think my mom said that she brought me in as a baby for um, Empire Strikes Back. But yeah, I mean, I mean, you guys really kind of covered everything. I thought it was really great. I, I'm not really sure what's my favorite. I think the uh, episode four might always be my absolute favorite, just because I we happen to have that pirated on a VHS tape that I watch so much. (laughs) So it's like kind of brings up really kind of nostalgic feelings of just like kind of a summer vacation and like making a frozen pizza, watching some star Wars and then just kind of going out and playing the whole day. But yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a ton of great stuff, whether like, I always loved like, you know, the, that scene, the rebel, like the big fleet battle between the rebel Alliance and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I, and I will always be a sucker for more Han and Chewie moments, you know, so there's a bunch of really fun bunch of those. And then rewatching it, Star Wars, I felt all those kind of warm, fuzzy feelings again. Empire, I was like, maybe this isn't as great as everyone thought it was or I thought it was. But um, Return of the Jedi, I was like, OK, this is this is pretty fun. It is pretty fun. And yeah, speaking of toys, I had all the same toys you did. I even had like a toy of one of the bounty hunters with like the Rasta dreads or something like just off to the side is just uh-huh. random stuff because like George is like, no matter what I'm selling a toy of it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get to some questions that came up, came to our mind while watching the movie. So I'll go first and then we can kind of go around. Everyone kind of can ask what uh, some burning questions that they have. So mine is like, so how much time was there in between episode five and six? Does anybody know? One year. One year. One year? Okay. And so during this year, like Luke didn't go to Dagobah at all? I don't think so. 
No. Okay. Um, I love that video game and then the novelization, The Shadows of the Empire. Uh, it's not canon anymore. I don't no, they, believe. They threw that out. Yeah, they chucked <laughs> that one. At the, but you get Dash Rendar and this whole kind of this uh, whole new story, and then Prince Shizor, I think his name, this big green crime lord, uh, who's trying to competing with Darth Vader uh, for the Emperor's lapdog kind of thing. Um, I thought that was a fantastic story. It brought, uh, I think it had Luke spending a lot of time in Tatooine, um, like rooting through Ben Kenobi's old stuff and finding his uh, Jedi texts that I guess he'd kept and whatnot, as well as he's, I think he spends a little while practicing in this abandoned circus. I think they even what? go through a little bit. Yeah. Oh, just so he's like doing a little bit of self-study. Like he was like a- Abraham Lincoln out there being like a frontier <laughs> lawyer or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so well, so I was thinking about this because like when Luke comes in, comes into Jabba's palace, he's like, "Hey, man, like I'm a Jedi now," and it's like, "Well, actually, you didn't really like get your certificate yet," you know, which 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 uh, Yoda like pointed out. It's kind of like back in when I went to the first school that I flunked out of, and like I went there and didn't do that well. It's not like I went around and been like, "I'm a college graduate," you know, <laughs> but he's like, "I'm a Jedi Knight," and then. um and then he was at with Yoda, and then he finally get, goes back to finish up his schooling, and then Yoda dies and says something, and he's like, I must be, I am a real Jedi then. He's like, well, like, no, not really. So I thought that was kind of funny. It's like, he was just Yoda going around. laughing at him. He's like, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. You are not a Jedi yet. You have I did. to kill your dad. <laughs> I did like, though, I, I love how when Luke goes into the um, to Jabba's palace, He's got this crazy confidence, and, and it's yeah, that's right. It's kind of cool because having watched the first three movies, you really get a lot of the Anakin confidence. Like Anakin was way overconfident, right? Which was kind mm-hmm. of his strength in everything. And when you see Luke going into Jabba's palace, and he's just you know, he's force choking people, like he's he's uber confident about everything. And it was just kind of like whether he's a Jedi Knight or not, he believes that he is, and so he. He's going to go out there and wreck some shop. That's a very good point. That's that's one thing. Like, I don't think I appreciated this movie as much until I read a bunch of the books and realized that Luke is like a total badass. Like, you know, like in the movies don't really show how badass he is. Um, But that's like the first glimpse. One of the few glimpses actually throughout the, these three where like Luke is truly acting badass and and it is awesome. Oh yeah. Just taking on two, sail barges worth of people and just <laughs> swinging a lightsaber uh with just this well it's supposed to doing, be precision yeah. it doesn't quite look like it perhaps yeah. looking back as you say with the mist kick and all that fun stuff but. doing martial arts very slowly <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> his tata is perfect all right so, mike uh, do you have a question for us um let me see here what's your what's your um uh, of this movie what's your I think you might have put it in the notes, but I wanted to get everybody's general thoughts on C-3PO. I will. I guess I'll start off. So he was done wrong in the prequels. He was done real wrong. And then when, so that's one of the things that I was really thinking about is like, then we got into the, the original trilogy and it's like, oh, he's not a bumbling idiot that much. And then he kind of turns into a bumbling idiot kind of at the end. But <laughs> episode four and five, I thought he was, he was okay. He was decent. Um, I don't know. I don't hate C three PO, but I, like I love, I love how they redeem him in this one. So yeah. like, I, I love his character in this yeah. this trilogy because um, he's like, uh, like just a campy throwback versus I feel like the 
the new one, episode one through three, he's like a dad, like he's telling dad jokes and like, it's not really as <laughs> comical, but then at the end of this one, when he's telling that story and like, he's really coming into his own and they like, I really like the way they handle him here. Like where you kind of take him seriously at the end. Right. Yeah. So he, yeah. Oh, go ahead, Pat. No, no, I was just going to say he's uh, yeah. He's got that kind of uh, in the first, in episode four, it's uh, you could almost look at the movie. Like it's R2 and three PO's, journey that they're just kind of tagging along with but you're seeing it almost through a lot of their perspective they're in they're in all of it really um and i think that's a little bit of the case it just kind of continues throughout where yes they're still along but they're still quite they're not quite contributing but they're there it's like we're along with them not really participating in the story but just watching it all happen um and uh yeah like the prequels i think uh, especially Attack of the Clones, where you get those lines like, oh, this is such a drag as he's getting pulled <laughs> behind. Like, you're reaching for comic relief Bro. without Jar Jar in this one. So you're throwing poor 3PO under the bus. And uh, so I'm uh, I'm interested to see what this, uh, uh, what the Rise of Skywalker is going to do for 3PO and whatnot. Some of those. Uh, the some trailer the- has like, he has like a really kind of meaningful line where he's like, I'm looking yeah. at all my friends or something. What so, last time? Oh. Yeah. I have another C-3PO kind of follow-up question, Mike. Okay. So how can C-3PO not speak Imperial probe droid? Yeah. But he good... can, he, he can figure out Ewok. <laughs> you know, like... That's a good question, man. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, he, he, it's even when he's speaking the languages that he does know, he speaks in like with a shitty accent. Pardon my French. <laughs> You know, it's like his, yeah. his proper English accent. Um, anyways, I, oh, wow. there, I mean, the reason why I ask is because C-3PO for me is like one of those is very polarizing uh, characters in this whole series, man. It's like sometimes he's he's great, like during the mm-hmm. indoor scenes where, you know, they think he's a god and he's telling stories. And then other times he's just kind of a little bitch, man. Like when, when he walks up to the house and he's afraid to walk in, he like lately taps on the door and then, oh, they're not here. Let's leave. And. R2 is just like, ah, come on, man. <laughs> yeah. um, anyways, I just think he's, he's one of those characters that I just, I, I love getting people's opinions on, uh, on C3PO just because it's, uh, it's fun. All right, Toby, do you got a question? Yeah. I was curious how you park a whole fleet on a far side of a planet and go undetected. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Does the, so does yeah. the, the subspace sensors, does it get blocked by planets or does it go around? Well, it assumes like, you know, what direction they're coming from. Oh yeah. But like, well, they know where they're in, like what planet they're flying from. Okay. But so, like, let's, let's just picture this. You got a little or a planet, maybe the planet's bigger than I'm imagining, but it's like a moon, right? Oh, right. No. It's a moon. Yeah. Forest moon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So they're on the other side of the planet. So in theory, you can like, like I'm just thinking, like the if they're coming from a single direction, okay, all the ships could hide over there, I guess. It, it just I mean, seemed big it, ships. It's yeah, it seemed like uh, like to me, like you know, <laughs> like of all the things to question, this is a silly thing. But I was like, <laughs> how do those ships hide over there without and go undetected? Like, right? Does anybody have a good answer for that? I really don't. I'm reaching. Yeah. I got nothing. That's and that's that- just. That's just poor, uh, <laughs> poor thought. It's, I think uh, when they are detected, it's like somehow they're able to like come all the way out and all get over here before Lando sees them. Oh, that's yeah. right. They're like yeah, they yeah. they fly really fast. <laughs> that is true. That's true. It's all a part of the Emperor's master plan. 
He's a very yeah. good planner. He's very good. Well, I, some of the uh, some of the books, as you're talking about it now, they do talk about um, why Palpatine was so good. It's because he has uh, is it battle meditation or something along those lines, where he can help influence and coordinate with you know all the fleet commanders and whatnot just through the force. He just influences them subtly, I guess. And uh, so maybe he's doing like a block on the rebels that's yeah, reaching okay. real bad but yeah. uh it's a potential answer maybe i i like it. i like the uh term battle meditation and like tomorrow during work i'm going to close my eyes and fall asleep <laughs> at work and say i'm battle meditating <laughs> as i'm looking at my email um everybody will understand <laughs> yeah yeah okay yeah. all right pat yeah do you have a question how many Credited females are there in the whole star in the original trilogy Star Wars saga? Oh man, one, two. There's, there's a general or whatever that's giving the. Oh, they got Mom Mata, and you got Mom Mata. Yeah. Those are got- the only two in those three movies. Wow, that they, uh, that they have so at uh, and with I think to combat that uh, combat a little bit of the well combat at the time potentially of uh, the lack of femininity femininity within the trilogy. That's how they justified putting uh, the slave Leia costume together, which, you know, of course, this day and age would necessarily be viewed in that same kind of light, per se. But uh, that was one of the reasons why they came up with the the slave Leia outfit was to help uh, quell any of the people saying there's not enough femininity or feminine heroes in this that's funny. So, so their, their solution, Georgia's solution, is like, well, we'll just make Carrie Fisher just dress slutty, yeah, and everyone will be fine. Take with her it. clothes Jeez. off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, oh, the eighties. <laughs> yeah. Right. Whoops. Okay. So, speaking of Leia and stuff, um, so my question is, why isn't anybody more freaked out that Luke and Leia are siblings? Because <laughs> they've been making out for like two two uh, movies or so. And like, so I think somebody was talking about how uh, Toby, you're talking about how like Luke was all distressed about finding out that Vader, his, his uh, father and stuff. But like, I think what I, if I was there, like the whole time I'd just be like, Leia's my sister. Like, really? Like, <laughs> like but no one ever, no one ever bite, you know, bats an eye, you know, anything like that, but they're just let it go. So I guess that's my question. If anybody wants to comment. I mean, it, and it is a short period. So, like, basically, it's been a year since yearish since he found yeah. out, or since since he kissed her. Yeah, and they had like a, some good kisses in Empire, right? They just had the one, the right? One. Yeah, but that kind of qualifies in this <clears throat> kind of thing, right? Yeah. It was. I I I live in my own little uh, bubble where I try to ignore that and just say, oh, she was just doing that to make Han jealous. It didn't mean anything. It had no. <laughs> but still, you're just gonna, you still, know, movie, pressing your lips says, against I've your siblings. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because, like, I've always known. It's like, yeah. oh. <laughs> Why didn't you speak up then? <laughs> it's a bad look. <laughs> or, yeah. like, um, I, we were watching that scene. You're playing that scene of uh, when Han finds out and, like, kind of seemed like he was into it it's just like <laughs> yeah. he, has, he has the most amazing facial expressions in that last scene yeah. when he's kissing leia and she tells him that it's that uh, luke is her brother it's amazing 
Yeah, it's yeah, just, like I would be like really like wow, like my, <laughs> I wouldn't be like really. <laughs> uh, yeah, he. I, I like how you say that. He definitely goes through the motions in his face when he's going through. Yeah. He's processing. Totally. He's frowning. He's, he's smiling, and then I think he's he been, stopped yeah. smiling a second. <laughs> he's just like, wait, huh? great, she's mine. And it's relieved, though. Uh, okay, all right, Mike, do you got what you got? Questions? Yeah, I already, I, I shot the, I shot the question already. You shot your <laughs> shot, Toby. <laughs> I, I have a totally tan- tangential one. So, um, uh, Frank Oz does the voice of Yoda, and actually, like a bit of trivia, he like came up with the strange way yoda phrases things um so that was all frank oz who of course uh was cookie monster and many other muppets um and sesame street characters but uh frank oz was also an accomplished director and he directed five of my favorite movies of all time Uh, what five what are those five movies peewee's big adventure nope but you're on the right track yeah um did he do um Oh, I can't think of the name of it right now. The one with Steve Martin and Michael Caine. Yes, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Oh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. He? Yep. Oh. Mm-hmm. he did that one, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He did that. Awesome. Uh, Bowfinger, uh, oh, Little Shop of Horrors, Muppets Take Bowfinger. Manhattan, and Muppet Christmas Carol. Oh, he did Muppet Christmas Carol, too. There you yeah. go. Did he really do Little Shop of Horrors? Yep. That is amazing. Mm-hmm. Talented guy. Which, if you watch the uh, the remade George Lucas remade edition of Star Wars, Tui is actually the Sarlacc. Like Tui from Little Shop of Horrors, that is the Sarlacc. Really, they named wow. it. That's awesome. I heard that um, he had to really kind of not talk to people on set because everyone was doing their Yoda voice and just like kind of screwed <laughs> them up. Like you know, yeah, of course, <laughs> everyone just talking like Yoda around there. Uh. Well, apparently, like he was known for, I mean, he's still around. I think I don't think he's dead, but uh, apparently, as a director, he was known for like just being a very conflict-ridden, like people hated working with him type of director. You know? Oh yeah, yeah. He's only seventy-five. He's still around. Still young. I did not know that. I love Bowfinger. That's one of my favorite movies of all time. That's and what about Bob? Yep, that's not one of my favorites, but he did that one too. Yep. Well, as one named Bob, I get thrown. I get talk to that movie at least twice a year so i have to like it all right <laughs> pat do you got got a question for us um i like this one here what are some ways that luke could have broke han free more simply could he so, have bought him this reminds me of the uh like lord of the rings when they're like why didn't the eagles just drop the ring into the, the flame again? <laughs> you know? oh there is an article about that i know we're you know, Star Wars instead of Lord of the Rings about uh, um, someone came to this complete, they wrote this fictional, uh, obviously fictional account of what Gandalf actually meant when he said, fly you fools. And he left. He's basically telling them without, you know, obviously a bunch of goblins are overhearing them. So he's saying, fly you fools, like you fools fly. Take the eagles and fly there. Like, I'm taking you. So before his last words before he dies is giving them this tip, this hint. Fly, you fool. Anyways, I'm sorry. He had an epiphany as he's ready to fall into the pit. <laughs> like, what are we doing? Yeah, <laughs> we're wasting two more movies. We could end it now, but uh, but anyways, some ways that Han could have be broken out more freely. I mean, or sorry, more simply. I'm, for example, like if Luke just brings his lightsaber into the place, <laughs> game over. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. Like another thing with this whole plan is how did he know that R two D two was going to get on to that thing? I, he kind of screwed. Like you're talking about that. Like these droids are just basically like he just sends them in, and they could have been just totally melted down. You know? Yeah, I mean, he, this is the thing. This whole operation leaves so much to chance. <laughs> like, like, a lot like, of variables okay, so, there. Yeah, so like he's counting on R two being used as a, a serving droid and happen, you know, able to get to the top of the ship in the right time. You know, you got Lando just like pulling down his like <laughs> his little mask all over. His leg. <laughs> yeah, as subtle as a shotgun. Just yeah, a, no, a, yeah, uh, they could have done a bunch of things. And, and so. after R two fires the the so much to chance, like like Leia could very well have just been stuck in there. You know. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm supposed uh, to get it all out, but I kind of felt bad. I had this mini theory that uh, uh, that you know Jabba's palace was just this big orgy den. It was just completely uh, like associated with the visceral, you know, drug taking and and all sorts of other acts and whatnot. With you know the droids being a lot of the test subjects. You see the you know that droid overseer in the basement testing out some of these kinky little devices burning some of the feet of some others on one of those little torture racks you see some so you got to have someone sitting there cataloging okay don't pull that hard his arm falls off (laughs) and so r2 is probably rolling in there thinking like what are they going to assign me and the guy looks at him he's just like ah yeah you can serve drinks (laughs) so r2's probably just like all right then and i'd love to hear what r2's actual response was when 3po's like what are you doing here and he's like serving drinks I'd love to hear what that inflection was actually like. If he's like serving drinks, like shut up, yeah. whatever, <laughs> go go play with your bondage friends. I don't care. I'm serving drinks. I did not hear that before. I didn't. I guess I didn't stumble on that dark like corner That's of the internet. Purely from the depths of my own <laughs> my own dark side thoughts. Oh. So, yeah, C three PO saying, "Oh my, yeah, yeah." He's, he's just this kinky butler for uh, for big wet Jabba, who's not only licking frogs but ingesting them entirely while sucking on some bubbly oh, opium pipe Which, or something. Which spoiler alert sounds like more creatures eat frogs too, right? Yeah. Oh, yep. True. Baby Yoda too. True. That baby Yoda. Yeah. 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 Those frogs must be delicious in the <laughs> Star Wars universe, but uh, baby. Well, okay. Yoda. My last question for Return of the Jedi. I guess this kind of goes into all the other movies as well, is it seems like it's really easy to get promoted in the Rebellion. The second movie, in Empire Strikes Back, Han is a commander. And then in Return of the Jedi, he's been frozen for a year, and he gets promoted to general. You know, it's like... (laughs) um, I just wanted to kind of bring that up. I like my heroes that don't get captured. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay, let's so let's get to some um, of our observations about all six movies all bundled up together. So, do you think? So, one of the things that I came to mind as I was kind of watching, the, especially the episode six, Return of the Jedi, because they started talking about lineages and, all, and family and all this kind of stuff. I was like, man, I really wish that George didn't make those trilogy. Or like, it just there's a bunch of complications, you know, because it's like. And there's like Leia saying like, "Oh, I remember my mother. She seems so sad." And like it's in in, in the prequels, George kills her off. Uh, were you guys kind of troubled by some of some of the first three movies and how and the continuity um, kind of issues that happened in between all of these? 
I think for me, like, that's kind of what spawned my question about, like, Luke, like, Luke, or the Jedi in the prequels would go in there and just demolish uh, Jabba. Like, Like, just give us what we want or else, and they would take what they want. But, like, Luke doesn't even know he's standing on a trap door, you know? Like, <laughs> That's right. Yeah, like, I, I think with the original trilogy, it was, you know, like, the hero's journey. It was just this tight little band that we were following, and that's all we were following, essentially. Mm-hmm. The story of, you know, Luke Skywalker, uh, Han and Leia, uh, even, you know, even two more droids and Chewbacca. Throw them in there for fun. But we're essentially just stuck with this band. Not stuck, but we're following, we're, we're part of this little gang. Whereas in the prequels, there's literally this entire universe of information that's now being pumped out to, uh, you know, us, the audience as a whole. So you got to kind of stitch together these little, um, these bits of backstory and whatnot. And I think there was just so much information and so much done all at once that uh, uh, I think that the prequel trilogy, if it was, say, redone today, say we didn't have the prequel trilogy in the early 90s, or sorry, the uh, late 90s, early 2000s there, I think it would have gone a lot better as a mini series like a or not not even a mini series but like like a game of thrones style epic show where i think they could have dug into a lot more of those relationships between uh you know explore a little bit as to how maybe leia has these memories maybe she could have spent a little bit more time with padme maybe padme could have been on the run for a while and while vader's trying to track her down i think could have been a lot more explored if it was done over the course of a couple of seasons as opposed to three movies i mean i love the i love the prequels they're to me it's star wars history is star wars history it's like you know you can't alter history because you and a bunch of people on the internet don't like the way it goes so you can't retcon or remake history essentially like this is what star wars is so like it or leave it this is what the story is but if i had to choose i would have liked a little bit more expansion onto what some of these you know the why was he a good uh, like when obi-wan is talking to luke for the first time saying i knew your father he was a good pilot and a good friend like that reference is purely just a callback to the pod uh, the pod race where he's just like he's a good pilot uh, before i met him he was a good pilot but and i think that's why the pod uh, pod race was there it was to just kind of help explain a little bit of that narrative because obviously they established that uh you know anakin was a slave and as a slave you'd I'm guessing you don't really have the keys to the nearest star cruiser to uh, go do some joyriding or anything like that. So uh, little things like that were there. But then, you know, like you say, those uh, uh, that Leia didn't really know her mom. So then you got to reach and say, maybe it's the force just telling her she was like this or it was a force feeling and whatever. But um, yeah, I think it could have been expanded on a lot more if it was in the course of a TV show as opposed to three movies. How about you, Mike? Is it a problem or not a problem? Am I making too much of it? <laughs> I don't think it's a problem. Um, I, I will say really quickly, there there is a canon book. I forget which book it is. Uh, it's going to drive me crazy, of course. I, I believe it might have been Bloodline. But um, there's a, a part in the book where Leia is pregnant with Ben or, you know, she's pregnant and uh, she's she's connecting with Ben. And so there's, you know, it's through the force, obviously. But oh, yeah. So I think I think that's whether that's kind of a retcon or, or whatever it may be. I think that kind of does a job of explaining that. Oh, is, why she remembers that? Yeah, oh. I think that's the 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 feeling is is that she remembers her mom similar to how she's connecting with Ben when he's in the womb. So I, you know, it, it it could be a bit of a reach, obviously, but um, I think that's is it like telepathic? Is it it's like feelings or is it like kind of like 
Look yeah. <laughs> well, well, it's one of the books. I think it's, I, I think in the book, it's basically just that she's connecting and she's, she's, she's having a connection with, with the baby. And so I think it's kind of, you know, it's like similar to how Leia says, like, I didn't, I didn't know her, but she was sad. And you can, you know, when, when Pad when Padme was pregnant with the twins, she was sad a lot. Right. I mean, I don't know, but I think, um, I love I love that George Lucas got to do his prequel trilogy, and I know yeah, <laughs> that I'm, yeah. I'm one of the few that defends the prequels. <laughs> I there's like I've like I said in the last episode I was on man, there's there's lots of holes, but I love those movies, man. And you know I think when you look at the when you look at the two trilogies broken up, right? You got the original trilogy is the arrogance of the Sith, specifically Palpatine, Sidious is what brought the downfall of the empire. And when you look at the prequel trilogy, it's the arrogance of the Jedi that brought their downfall. And so it's, it's kind of cool when you look at it that way, right? Like we grew up with this, the good guys are trying to get in and they're trying to bring the, the empire down. And, you know, it's the fight against tyranny and this and that. I love that the prequel trilogy was, Hey, look, they've got these Jedi who are you know, there's no faults. They're perfect. They're perfect people. They know exactly what's going on. They've got force powers. They can sense everything in the world. And yet their arrogance, they didn't see Palpatine right underneath their noses, scheming up this plot to take over everything. And sure enough, you know, he, he played it right and got his way. And, and uh, I, I just think it's brilliant and, and I, you know, brilliant to a, <laughs> to a degree, of course. Right. Cause there's, there's obviously lots of flaws in the storytelling within that but when you look at it as in a bigger picture i love it i love that it's this jedi are ruling everything and they're perfect and then all of a sudden like that they're not they're done they're all killed or hunted down and most of them are killed and all of a sudden now there's this whole new tyranny government that's ruling the world and it's it's brilliant i mean to me i just i love it i love how they they play off each other in that way mike you are a total prequel apologist that's okay we, <laughs> we need all sorts of people <laughs> yeah prequelist so if you had to sum up the whole six movies as a whole what would it be like a really quick kind of description what is, what is it to you um all six movies in one yeah uh, I, I mean I, I think it's 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 a to me all six stories are the stories of anakin and luke and it's as simple as that and the world that lives around them. But I, I do, I love how it's broken up and it's you know, the first, the prequel is all about Anakin and everything that he goes through. And, and then it's his son in the second, in the original trilogy and family and um, all that. So I'll leave it at that. How about you, Toby? What's your elevator speech for it? Do you believe, do you agree with that or do you have a little different take? Yeah. I, I always think, I think the, it's a story. I mean, the prequel to me is a story about politics uh, and like the world. Uh, whereas the episodes one, four through six are the story of Luke Skywalker. How about you, Pat? What's your elevator speech about? What does this? What are these six movies? Um, it's uh, I think George's original intent was to have this kind of hero's journey, uh, classic fable of light versus dark. And I think um, uh, no, I think Mike summed it up nicely in that uh, the the prequels are more about like the dominance of the light with the dark creeping in and it's flipped now with the, um, uh, with the original trilogy or in the original trilogy uh, where you get the, you know, the dominance of the dark and then the light coming back and coming to uh, 
balance things out. And so that's kind of what I thought the newer movies were going to be about more of that balance. Like, I think they spend a lot of time in that. And a lot of the expanded universe is the balance, the, uh, the whole concept of gray Jedi coming in um, who are not really, uh, which I think spoiler uh, alert as well. I think that's what Ahsoka Tano would classify herself as uh, in more recent stuff as she's like a gray Jedi, as opposed to light, dark choosing any one, affinity kind of thing uh but as far as like the two movie trilogies uh yeah i think it's the balance of the light and the dark and the conflict there within yeah i agree for myself it's always been about chewbacca and people that (laughs) just they just don't deserve him at all all they do they they slowly introduce him and they just like they they don't even really appreciate who everyone asks yeah, yeah. Exactly. let the man porg, porg yeah. it, bud. all right let's let's kind of come up with some of our top three most memorable scenes for the first six movies i'm sure we got a bunch of them let's start off with toby what do you think i i think the the dog fights are always a highlight you know you can yeah. pick any any of them you know from any of the three movies and just done to perfection all right pat what, you got another scene um I'll go. I'll go on the negative side of it for me, and uh, you know, I I don't want to knock the prequels by any means. I love them. I'm still <laughs> batting for them and whatnot. But the scene where Anakin and Padme are literally rolling in a meadow. <laughs> oh oh yeah. <laughs> oh, it just gives me the. Uh, uh, it just drives me yeah. up the wall when I think of like how they you know should explore this uh this relationship and make you really root for them to stay together this does not do that for me at all but uh so that's that's on the dark side of it but um uh yeah those the the lightsaber battles as well um even though they're not i i like how in the prequels you really get to see and understand just how badass the jedi are and just like they're lightsaber their whole fighting style their skills you understand okay oh that's why they were you know the peacekeepers of the galaxy is because they you know there's not too much that could come up against them and and actually win so i think the lightsaber battles uh would would take the light for me pat i I don't know if you listened to mike's episode during attack of the clones but we had mike read the whole like your your uh your hands like sand or something no sand is coarse that whole thing it was beautiful Yes, it was beautiful. I put it on repeat. I just like just just like I was like, get over this, Pat. This is therapy for you. Just just relive this. I was eating a pear uh, okay. during the whole time. <laughs> yeah, floating, floating it over. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, for me, I think I don't know. My favorite scenes, kind of rewatching it. I guess so. It's it's obvious. Like what my favorite thing about Star Wars is. Well, no, maybe not. But I just love the uh, Han and Chewie. That that team. Just like Han, just yelling at Chewbacca about like. Uh, fixing this and you know like when they, they're trying to fix the millennium falcon i just like i just love them as a team so much like that whole you know i spent uh, probably a lot of my youth pretending like i was on the millennium falcon you know just because i thought oh, yeah. it was just it was just so fun it's just so much charisma right oh yeah and that reminds me of like one scene that i just love at the end of empire when they get when r2d2 gets the light the uh, hyperdrive working uh, (laughs) that's a great scene oh yeah just like that that all that stuff like that's a that's star wars for me at the at its best how about you mike um yeah i mean there's a lot of obviously i could go to any movie if we have a few of them um but i I would i would say for me two of the most memorable parts outside of java's palace of course um i love the the confrontations between luke and vader so you can Mm -hmm. say 
in Empire at the end when they confront each other and he, you know, drops the bomb that he's his dad. And then even at the end when, you know, it's it's Vader and Palpatine and Luke and they're going through all that. I, I love those scenes. I think both of those are huge uh, moments, specifically in the original trilogy. Any other scenes that anybody wants to bring up really quickly that they love? The carbonite scene. That was phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Where- like even those little bits of 3PO in the backpack, like turn around. I can't see. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you but that was good. Yeah. yeah. I and love you. I know. Yeah. Just yeah, so I mean, like it's great. a big kind of roller coaster there. So I, I really like that scene too. All right. So let's get into some of our best and favorite stuff for this uh for six movies. Best villain. Best villain. Who is the best? Or... I, I was thinking like the those ATAT walkers are the best villain. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I mean, those were just like, uh, I mean, even today, there's nothing like them. Like, in any, you know, they're just scary. They're slow. Mm-hmm. They're, you can't beat them yeah. unless. It's unstoppable force almost. Yeah. Mike or Pat, best villain? Ooh. Um, uh, you guys touched on it in the previous episode. I thought Darth Maul was underutilized. Uh, I know he's expanded now. He's in a whole new new character. But I remember just seeing him when I was, I think, what, 12 or 13 when that movie came out. And thinking, this guy's badass. He's swinging this two lightsabers on one. Like, he just had this immediate sense of dread as soon as you see him. And uh, so I think he was underutilized. But the best overall, uh, I'd say, you know, it's a cop out, but Palpatine, he's the, the string puller, the puppet master, the, you know, guy who thinks he's got it all figured out kind of thing. But, uh, and I love how it, with Palpatine, like you get your first glimpse of him in this movie yeah. and, mm-hmm. and like you, you just know he's badass cause Vader kneels to him and you're just right. like, you'd have no idea what you're in for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, and speaking of that, you could sum this up as the rise and fall of Palpatine. You could totally if you, if you want to if you want to look Absolutely. at it. the peak of Palpatine yeah yeah Pat you this might be your angle since uh, I think you told me that your license plate says all Sith right? it does it does it's wow <laughs> as soon as you uh, release information that you are are a fan of something especially as you know passionate i guess you could say as i am about my star wars um yeah i uh, my my wife uh, got me a license plate that said all sith because i frequently also joke that i'm a, a jedi in the streets but a sith in the sheets as well so that's kind of a little <laughs> I, I actually use that for my brother's wedding speech as well it was an entire star wars kind of ad mad libs essentially but uh yeah i signed off with that one always be a, a jedi in the streets and a sith in the sheets that's awesome all right, Mike. Best villain. Well, I have a I have a Rebel Alliance tattoo, so we are uh, immediately. Oh, nice. You you and me, there. Pat. But uh, light in the dark, buddy. Light in the dark. That's how I make a good story. <laughs> uh, what was the question again? Best villain. Best or favorite? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so one of my things is I, I I love asking people like who who's who do you see as a better villain? Is it uh, Vader or is it the Emperor? Just because everybody thinks that Vader's the best villain, and uh, probably rightfully so, but. For me, like Emperor Palpatine is the best mm-hmm. villain of all time. Like goat villain, he's just yeah, he's amazing. I mean, all six cool. movies, he's yeah. just the ultimate mastermind of everything. And then there's a um, there's a canon book, Lords of the Sith, and it goes yeah. into the whole relationship between um, Palpatine and Vader and how he just twists Vader's mind and just like it's amazing, man. So, anyways, I think it's abusive. Yeah, <laughs> really, it really is. And uh, I just I think Palpatine's the greatest, but um, you know, villains. yeah, he 
he definitely did like maneuver everything through the first three movies. Yeah. See what you're saying. Yeah. So. All right. A favorite hero. Obviously, mine is Chewie. I'll just throw it out there. But anyways, <laughs> what do you, how about you guys? Uh, I always looked up to Obi-Wan. You know, Alec Guinness, the Alec Guinness Obi-Wan. I love Ewan McGregor. He's great. But, you know, I would he count as a hero, though? I don't know. He's kind of that. He's the mentor in that toll kind of, um, uh, you know, the hero's journey formula, I guess you could say. You always have to have an old mentor to show you your skills or show you, enlighten you as to what uh, uh, what your own potential is and whatnot. But uh, uh, But I guess that ties back to the prequels a little bit as well in that, a lot of it is Obi-Wan trying to redeem um, or not redeem, but save Anakin, I guess. So um, I'd go overall for the first six. Obi-Wan would be my favorite. Toby. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I'm, I love Luke and, and like, for me, this movie yeah. like really like brings out Luke's best qualities. Um, and just the, like, he's a deep guy. Um, like the way that he, he keeps putting himself in, danger to turn his father really like it's more about his father and saving his friends than anything else like he doesn't have like a big overarching view of the galaxy he's just like i'm here to stick up for my friends and my dad yeah how about you and my sister who i like to kiss kiss (laughs) right right (laughs) all right sorry mike i'll uh i'll mix it up i'll say leia oh leia is a is a fantastic character like she she really is she's strong she's uh confident she's got the politics she's she really is uh very important to the story and and beyond right i mean it's the funny thing is that a lot of the uh the books that they're writing in between episodes six and seven are a lot of those are uh are leia centric so um you know she's she's kind of coming on she's the the you know one of the head politicians and you know really just um, an important character in this universe. And so I would say she's probably my favorite of the heroes. All right. Next question, because George Lucas changed this one like a hundred times, but in your heart of hearts, in your soul, who shot first? Han. Mike. Toby. Han. Pat. Han forever. Yeah. He'll forever shoot first. <laughs> <laughs> and, so Disney Plus came out, and then was like, did he change it again? To so it's like the same time, or well, the clunky. I, I, so I watched, I watched the Return of the Jedi on Disney Plus, and they definitely had the re, you know, redone version. So I didn't watch the uh, episode four on there though. Yeah, did but anyone? It, it came out like like it's it's been redone like four times. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. Did someone say like Mike? Did you? Yeah, I saw, I saw something. They they changed it up, and somebody was watching it with the subtitles on, and it goes through it, and it goes through all of Greedo's what everything he's saying, and then the newest version. He literally right before he dies, he says McClunky, which nobody what? understands what that what that is or what it is, but it's like something brand new that just got added in. McClunky, oh <laughs> that's funny. So uh, I don't know what it is. Just like yabba dabba do. Like George <laughs> Lucas is just like put that in. Like we can exactly. have Yogi, yeah, Yogi Bear as a as a Star Wars figure. I can sell that. You know, uh, Toby. I think you wrote down droid torture as a question. Yeah, I was like, I didn't quite understand why those droids were being tortured on Jabba's ship. Pat and- answered that, um, and 
kind of told us something about himself while doing so. <laughs> when, b- before I test all of my restraints, I choose testing on droids first. It keeps the animals <laughs> safe. It keeps the people safe. So let's see what these restraints are capable of on a droid first. But uh, but yeah, the screaming and whatnot. Yeah, like, the... Ah! No, no, no! Like, pick yeah. a safe word, bud. Like, that's... And we're back. Dear listener, I have to make a confession. We had some technical difficulties at the end of recording this episode. I am not one to point fingers, but I'm going to definitely blame Toby for this. No, I'm just kidding. Toby ended up dropping, and then he canceled, which caused us to stop recording. And he came back on, and then I was a doofus, and then then hit record again. And so we were talking for another 15 minutes about the Mandalorian and all this other kind of stuff. Most of it, I, I was just, it was just me being, being brilliant, you know, and I was just like firing hot take after hot take. Everyone was just like laughing and they're all just like giving me like virtual high fives. And I wasn't saying like all the time. I was just concise. I was on top of the re- podcasting world and I didn't hit record. Or at least that's why what I remember if what was recorded, it probably wasn't that at all. But I wanted to come in at the end and take a little bit of time to say thank you to the guests for Return of the Jedi. That is Mike D, Pat Collins, and of course, Toby Crines, the Han Solo to my Chewbacca. So anyways, thanks a lot, everybody. Please share, subscribe, write in, do whatever you need to do. Thank you so much for listening to this. I really mean that. And may the force be with you.